You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to Absent Minded. My name is Jared Book, and we are continuing our look at teams in the Atlantic Division, uh, and we're going with today the uh, Boston Bruins. Don't worry, don't turn this off yet. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a good one. Uh, joining me today from from Stanley Cup of Chowders is Jake Reiser. Jake, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Just excited for the season. Yeah, and it's it's an interesting one. I think the Bruins might be the most interesting team in this division because you have the teams that are up and coming: the Detroit's, the Ottawa's, the the the, the Buffaloes, and then you have the teams that are, you know, basically running back the same the same team they did a year ago: the Floridas, the Tampas, the Torontos, and then you have Boston, who is coming off a, a great season. I had some big losses and, and you you can't replace Patrice Bergeron and you, you, you can't really replace David Krejci, but you can at least try, I think. Uh, what, what's the attitude in Boston, I guess, going into the season without those, those two specifically and, and, and do they, the fans media, what what's the kind of attitude with, with what has been done this off season? You know, obviously it's a little somber, to lose not just one, but two of your franchise icons in the same offseason. Krejci maybe to be expected a little more due to age, the fact that he had left once before. Um, Bergeron, we didn't know whether he was going to take the Zidane Ochara treatment. You have a one-year contract. Every year you feel like you keep playing. But I give kudos to Bergeron for listening to his body, not overextending himself. That to me is the definition of a true teammate is saying, Hey, my body can't handle it as much as I would love to be with you guys. I would rather you be stronger with someone who can handle an 82 game season plus hypothetically a playoff run of some sort. So I give him kudos as very sad as it is. And it certainly leaves a lot of questions to be answered that Bruins fans have been dying for answers for the last two or three years, because we knew this was coming up at some point. So you know, it makes me really concerned to see what Don Sweeney and Cam Neely are doing. There are, there are some positives here and there to what we've seen during the preseason, during the offseason, but there are still a lot of question marks, especially with those top six centers. Yeah, and the, the Bruins strike me just as a, a really interesting kind of roster construction. Um, you know, going into the year, they have eight unrestricted free agents uh, that, that are like still... Uh, in camp on on the roster, and, and some of those players are you know Milan Lucic, James Van like not not kind of you know important players necessarily. Um, but then you have you know uh, a guy like Matt Grizzlick, uh, a guy like Jake DeBrusque, and, and there's a lot of wiggle room after this season uh, in terms of if things don't go the way that they're necessarily expecting them to, or or go worse than expected. That there is some wiggle room to really. Rebuild. They're losing about twenty million dollars off the cap. The cap is expected to go up. Is the kind of feeling that this is kind of maybe a a, a transition year that maybe we'll we'll see what we have and then kind of reload next year. Like how 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 is that the 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 cap situation being looked at and 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 does that play into the expectations at all for this season? 
Oh, I think the cap obviously has a big role to play here. Um, one of the biggest reasons the Bruins were able to sign Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci last offseason is they used performance incentive bonuses that pushed into the salary cap this year. So I think it's somewhere between three and a half to four million dollars of cap overages. And then we also have about it's it's insignificant this year. It's about three hundred and thirty three thousand dollars this year, but it's a million three next year for the buyout of Mike Riley. So. Um, you know, there's definitely a little bit of a strain on the cap, some dead money, but you're right to lose Matt Grizzlick, Derek Forbert, Zaboral, Shattenkirk, Lucic, Van Riemsdyk, Bokvist, Greer, um, DeBrusque. You know, there certainly is a lot of flexibility as to what the Bruins could be today and the same day next year. The roster could look completely different. You know, I think. It, from what uh, my understanding is, I think a guy like Jake DeBrusque has finally bought into the system. He's loved working with Coach Montgomery. You could see from the resurgence he had last year, so I would expect him to be kept. Matt Grizzlick is someone I would heavily keep my eyes on for trade rumors this season. One of the biggest, I wouldn't call surprises, but biggest net benefits of the preseason so far has been watching a guy like Mason Lowry, who they drafted out of Ohio State University, step up and really develop. He's got that two-way defensive game, so he can step up. He scored a beautiful goal in the preseason game against Washington a couple of days ago. He actually used to be a forward, but he's also got three inches and 30 pounds on Grizzlick. So does that make Grizzlick expendable in order to maybe facilitate a trade for someone like Elias Lindholm or Mark Shifley or another center who might get you another couple of years and let you continue to work around the Marshawn, Pasternak, McAvoy, Lindholm core. You know, there there's a lot of interesting pieces, a lot of moving parts, but Grizzlick is someone I would definitely keep an eye on for this season. And, you know, it's funny because I think there's a lot of parallels between the Bruins and the Panthers from a year ago, who ironically beat the Bruins in the first round this year, uh, or last year, sorry. Uh, I'm still, my my, my calendar is still <laughs> off a little bit. I, I haven't thought about uh, the hockey season as this season yet. Um, so, but last year, after winning the President's Trophy, going out early in the playoffs, the, the Panthers made some major changes. They changed the coach. They they made a, basically changed the core of their team, uh, trading Huberto and, uh, and Uyghur for uh, for uh, Matthew Kachuk. And the, the Bruins, you know, they're running it back. Obviously, Montgomery had a great season uh, last year. I'm not expecting to change the coach just because of a um, of an early playoff exit. But is is the is there pressure on on Don Sweeney and, and Cam, maybe not Cam Neely, but but uh, on Don Sweeney and management in terms of, you know, not really doing anything major? Uh, with oh, absolutely. There's there's a lot of pressure on Don Sweeney to get things done. Um, if I had to grade him last year, it's hard not to give him an A. You look at the roster you had. You had the Selkie winner again in Patrice Bergeron. Your core was doing great, both young and old. You swung for the fences at exactly the right time to get Dimitri Orlov, Garnet Hathaway, Tyler Bertuzzi. Everything was pointing towards all the moves were the right things to do. And it just didn't work out. And so now it leaves you, okay, you've mortgaged a lot of our future. The Bruins don't have a first-round draft pick until 2025 now. And that's even a conditional pick. So it, it's really hard because you need those first-round picks in order to rebuild your future. Right now, Lowry, uh, Fabian Mysel are 
and um, I'll talk about Manny Patra in a little bit, but those are the only real guys to look at in the system that are like, okay, these guys have definitive futures in the uh, big league club. Otherwise, the minor league system, as much as the P Bruins perform really well, it's not like there's a lot of blue chip prospects. Like you look at Arizona and you look at them with uh, Logan Cooley, um, just the pieces that they have or other teams that just have blue chip prospects that are ready to go who have been developing waiting in the wings the Bruins don't have that and so there's a lot of pressure on both Sweeney and the major league roster to get things done and it's hard because Sweeney's made all the right moves in the right time of that context like the Pasternak extension that kicks in this year it's 11 5 on the cap you needed to do that Marshawn is still two years at 6 one the Coyle extension, while it's not looking great, is still at 525. Zaka is at 475. McAvoy is at 95. Hampus Lindholm is at 65. Carlo is at 41. Um, Linus Olmark has two years left at five. You need room to sign Jeremy Swayman next year. So there's a lot of pressure on Don Sweeney to figure this out because obviously you want to keep Jeremy Swayman as your goaltender of the future. You need to figure out your center situation. You need to figure out your depth defenseman situation because you only have um, McAvoy, Lindholm, and Carlo on the books after the season ends. And you need to figure out the rest of your forward depth because as you only have Marshawn for a certain amount of years, he's going to be the last guy of that older core that's going to retire. Yeah, it's fun to have Milan Lucic for a year, but Luch left for a while. Marshawn is the last one to come to have been a Bruin, stayed a Bruin, and be a part of that expansive core with Bergeron and Zidane Chara of that leadership group. So you're going to have to figure out a way to replace him. There's a lot of moving parts in this season, regardless of when the trade deadline happens or not, is critical for the future of Don Sweeney's tenure. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because you kind of think about the Bruins as, you know, perennial contenders. Uh, but but since the 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 the, the thirteen Stanley Cup final, uh, they lost in the second round, missed the playoffs twice, lost in the first round, lost in the second round. They made the final against St. Louis in in nineteen, then lost second round, lost second round, lost first round, lost first round, and and at a certain point, um, to your point, uh, you know, eventually you start have to you have to show results. Uh, and you know, they, their earliest pick this year is a, is a fourth round pick, uh, mm-hmm. in, in 2023, as it stands, uh, obviously that can change a bit with, um, you know, a lot of the UFAs that they have, but, um, there's not many that are going to command early, early picks and, and, you know, for the Bruins they are hopefully that they're hoping that they're going to maybe be in a position to not sell obviously, uh, either because that'll, that'll pretty much, if they're in a position to sell that kind of, um, you know, put Sweeney on an even hotter seat, I think. You mentioned Swayman earlier. How, how much pressure is there on the goaltending duo of of Allmark and Swayman? Obviously, they they were outstanding last year, and and maybe an uh, even underrated part of you know reason why they were so successful. And we all know goaltending is is voodoo and 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 is is wildly un- inconsistent, um, except for you know. Andre Vasilevsky, basically. Uh, wh- wh- how how much pressure is on that that goaltending duo, uh, and and how much of the season will rely on them, uh, because of you know obviously Bergeron is a big loss defensively. Um, so so how much pressure is there on on that duo, uh, both you know, internally th- and and also uh, on on a wider scale as well. 
You know, I think a lot of the pressure comes from us externally. I think if we talk to the two of them, they would say, there's no pressure. We just go out and do our jobs. We love each other. We're here to support each other. It's To me, it's the best bromance in the NHL right now. Um, to me, I think they think there's no pressure externally. Obviously, there's pressure on them. Losing Bergeron as one of the best defensive forwards in the NHL is certainly going to hurt. I do like what the Bruins got in Morgan Geeky to try and replace a little bit of it. And at, very, at the very least, it helps you still have Grizz like McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo in front of him. Forbert, we'll see. Shattenkirk, we'll see. You know, that third unit might rotate in and out. We'll see Zboril come in. Maybe Lowry um, ends up on the Major League roster. But, um, you know, the goalies certainly have some pressure on them. Omar has been floated on and off as a trade candidate. So if he ends up maybe being a part of the trade package, we saw Brandon Bussey for the Bruins in the preseason do a really great job. So you wonder again, maybe Linus Allmark is the piece who's expendable if he performs well. Um, I don't think that's going to be the case for Swayman. I think for Swayman, it's just continue to develop. He was a great, he was great in this one. I one B um scenario last year and the hope for him is that the role becomes switched that Swayman is the one and Allmark is the one B whereas last year it was the opposite and for good reason when you have the Vezina winner on your roster but you know that's just healthy competition and fun so externally there's definitely pressure on the two of them internally I don't think they care too much but that's more so a product of their personalities and who they are yeah it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting um you mentioned Luchas before as well um, you know, obviously he was a big part of those those successful Bruin teams. Uh, he was part of that that core, uh, with with Chara and Bergeron, Marshawn, like you mentioned. Uh, what what is kind of the the expectation? Obviously, he he was never the player he was in Boston when he left. Uh, obviously the expectations are not that he's going to be the player he was with Boston now either. Um, is it kind of just like a, a fun? a fun nostalgic veteran to, to bring in like are, are there any expectations on him or is it just people uh you know getting those 17 jerseys back out and and wearing them again i mean obviously there's some expectations he's going to yeah. be a fourth liner and i don't think anybody's going to doubt that but um i'll tell you a little thing when he signed july 1st free agency open don sweeney called him he said i ran right out i'm in vancouver right now i ran everywhere i could to find a bruins hat i'm so happy to be a part of the black and gold family again and that's the role that he's going to play and it's funny because it was the role played last year by the guy who also wore 17 and nick felino it's that locker room glue the person who not you don't just want to hear it from the top. You don't just want to hear it from the Marshons and the Posternocks and the McAvoys, that uh, leadership group with the numbers on the fronts of their sweaters. You want to hear it from the guys in the back end. And that's Milan Lucic, who's going to demonstrate every day, I want to be a Boston Bruin, and this is what it means to be a Boston Bruin, to commit to it every day. That's the role that they're expecting Lucic to play. And so far, he's playing it pretty perfectly. Yeah, it's... You know, obviously, there, there's a lot of uh, it, not incidents, but a lot of history between him and the Canadians as well, and those those playoff matchups, and um, when that that a lot of Canadians fans, I think, look back on fondly now. Um, now that they've <laughs> they're they're right smack in the middle of a rebuild, and any playoff series would be a lot of fun, <laughs> I think. Um, I, when you look at their roster, obviously, you know, there's there's that hole there's the two holes at center uh and somebody needs to to fill them 
uh, who who's kind of in in the driver's seat to kind of step up and and surprise people uh, a little bit on this roster that that maybe can you know you're not going to replace a Patrice Bergeron but but you can step up and be um, you know a top six player that that on on a playoff team uh, and I yeah. think that's that's really what they need and who who's who's kind of yeah. there that in that spot to start the season and who who do you think can surprise a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to quickly backtrack because you talked about the history with Lucic and the Canadians. And I always remember the 2014 handshake line with Dale Weiss and Alexi Emelin, <laughs> where Lucic goes, I'm going to bleep and kill you guys next year. So certainly some history between him and the franchise. But um, to answer your question, it starts and ends with Pavel Zaka. Um, it was a trade that I think people might have been a little bit confused about last year. They were happy to get rid of Arakala, who didn't perform to expectations. We didn't know what we were getting out of Zaka. It sounded like it was two guys who needed um, changes of scenery and both succeeded. Pavel Zaka had a career year, but on the wing. So it's obviously going to be Pavel Zaka's role, if he's naturally center, to step up, be that um, first-line center. Right now, I think he's got Van Riemsdyk on his left and Pasternak on his right. And I think Van Riemsdyk and Marshawn might flip around on that left side. So you could have two-thirds of that perfection line back together again. It's on Zaka to show that last year wasn't a fluke and that he can continue to build on it. Um, Charlie Coyle is probably your de facto two-center. And again, that's on him to show, hey... You know, 2019, I had a phenomenal year with you guys. I was clutch. We went all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. And then my numbers started to drop a little bit. So it's definitely up to Charlie Coyle to show that, you know, he's up to task. The surprise that I think a lot of Bruins fans had during this preseason is prospect Matty Patra, who's only 19 and has really come. His game scores for each of these preseason games, I believe he's been in the top five for every single game. So the fact that he's come in as a 19-year-old, yeah, it's against preseason rosters, but even against when they traveled to Philly and you were playing a pretty solid opening night-ish roster there, he had the number one game score for the entire game for the Bruins. So um, to see him scoring the way he has, he scored a beautiful goal against Washington a couple of days ago. Um... You know, he's still 19, so he's still a little raw, still got some things to learn. One of the things I've loved to see, though, when he loses the puck, his hustle and determination to get back on it. That's a great skill to have in a center. Um, I forget which Bruin was just talking about this recently, but they described Matty Patra's game almost a little bit like Mitch Marner's. Just re- he might have a smaller frame, but he's gritty. He's smart. He's got an incredible hockey IQ. He knows to go to the right places. Um, but obviously being 19, he can't, he's not qualified for the AHL yet. So he will probably earn that nine game trial to see what he's like on the big league roster. And then they'll make the decision whether he has to go back to juniors or whether he'll stay up and burn that first year of his ELC. But, uh, Matty Patra, definitely keep an eye out for him in the first nine, 10 games of the season, because that's the biggest, um, you know, hype right now. Patra has been doing such a great job, whether he makes it and that bumps a guy like Patrick Brandt or Morgan Geeky ostensibly to the fourth line center or Geeky's third line and Patra's fourth line. Uh, it pushes out a guy like Patrick Brown. It pushes out another prospect who's also worked really hard and maybe deserves a slot in John Beecher. Um, you know, there's a couple, Patra and Beecher are your two most interesting prospects to look at who have, I think, surprised people for possibly a center position this uh, uh, coming season. 
Yeah, leave it to the ruins to have Patrice Bergeron retire and then have another 19-year-old from the second round uh, step right in. <laughs> not, not that I'm saying that he's going to be Patrice Bergeron, <laughs> um, but but yeah, I, I'm sure um, if, if history repeats itself even slightly, the Bruins will be thrilled um, with that as well. Um, when it comes to the Bruins this season, and we've already talked about the hot seat and things like that, what would be considered... Uh, a successful season um, obviously you know you're coming off of a they're coming off of a president's trophy season but a first round exit uh obviously i don't think either one of those will be expected um or at least uh, the president's trophy won't be expected this year w- what what will be a successful season for the bruins um so i had a nice chat recently actually with someone in the front office of the bruins organization and it's it was good for me both as you know a fan of the team and as someone who's been around the team for so long to hear what their expectations are and they're not unreasonable they know even if Bergeron and Krejci came back you could never replicate the type of luck and the type of magic that the Bruins had last season it's completely unrealistic and i think that has to trickle down to the fan base as well i think making the playoffs is a great goal to have in and of itself just because with so much turnover, you don't know where, you know, everybody else is. And there's a, a lot of other teams who are knocking on the door. We talked about it a little bit earlier. The Detroits who went all in and got a great guy in Alex to bring it. Yeah, maybe their goaltending still has a little bit of sussiness here, but their forward core and uh, their D with more outsider, that's something to be worried about. Buffalo, I think, is really ready to take that next step. Tage Thompson, uh, Peyton Krebs, Devin Levi. They've got, I think Devin Levi is their goaltender of the future. As a college hockey guy at Boston University who watched Devin Levi absolutely bully teams to the fact that I think that's the last piece that they've been missing to have a strong forward core with a guy like Tage Thompson up front, to have defensemen with Rasmus Dahlin and Owen Power. I know they took Connor Clifton from the Bruins as well, and he'll provide a lot of grit down on that third line. Um, But then to have Devin Levi, a guy who you know is going to give you day in and day out everything he can as a goaltender. And I'm missing people on the forward court too. Dylan Cousins, Casey Middlestad, (laughs) JJ Paterka, Jack Quinn, Matty Savoy, Alex Tuck. I think Buffalo is primed to take that next step as well. So if you can just figure out a way to stay ahead of those guys, um, Toronto might win the division. Florida might win the division. Tampa's a team everybody's going to be watching in the first two months because of Andre Vasilevsky's <laughs> surprise surgery that's going to keep him out until at least December. So if you can take advantage of those first two months and establish a lead against teams like that that have some uh, just as much worry going into the season... You, you, the the bar is if you're in the playoff bubble structure by Thanksgiving, you tend to have the best shots to make the playoffs if you're not qualified for a spot already. That's kind of where the Bruins goal is. I don't know if they're looking all the way towards the end of the season yet. I think the best expectation is to look at Thanksgiving first, get those first two months out of the way, see where you are, and then you can reevaluate for the future. And that's where that's where I think you'll see, you know, if they're in the hunt and they're ready to go. That's where you might see kind of a one-off blockbuster trade. Something might happen. If they're not contending, you'll step back. They'll reevaluate. Maybe they sell, but you know, I think they need to get to that Thanksgiving in America, that metric (laughs) 
and see where they go from there. Yeah, Thanksgiving in Canada is not really a uh, a, a decision point because every team will be tied for first place as it's Monday. <laughs> it, it's before the season even starts this year um, on on October 9th. So um, yeah, if you're if if you're in a playoff picture on on Canadian Thanksgiving, I have bad news. It's not going to really work out for you. Um, Yes, yeah, so, so thank you so much for for taking the time. It's definitely going to be interesting. I I think that the the Bruins are might be the most interesting team, like I said before, in the division, just because you you kind of know what to expect with the the top three teams in in Toronto, Tampa, and and Florida. You you kind of expect some improvement from the the Ottawa's, the the Buffaloes, the Detroit's, maybe even Montreal, but not to that extent. Uh, and then. You have Boston kind of in the middle, who's kind of hold, you know, trying to keep up with the top teams and kind of trying to hold back the the teams behind them, um, because I, I think a lot of those teams see Boston as the, and maybe even Tampa, um, with with a slow start, uh, as well. So it'll definitely be interesting. Um, Jake, thank you so much for, uh, for for taking the time, and I hope you uh, you enjoy the season. Absolutely. I just I want to mention one yeah. quick comment. Um, you know that during the preseason media tours that uh, they ask a lot of questions to a lot of different players, the one player who said the Bruins are the team he's most intrigued to see in the season was Matt Kachuk <laughs> after knocking them out. So it's not just you guys. I think it's a lot of people have their eyes on this Bruins team. I have my eyes on the Canadians too. Where, well, how do they take a next step forward? But, you know, between the, every team in the Atlantic, the, the always ongoing carousel, I think we're going to have a lot of fun this year. Yeah, I, I I I think Montreal is still a, maybe a year or two behind the Buffaloes, the Ottawa's, the Detroit, which makes sense because that's where they are in the rebuild as well. Um, but yeah, I I I think that there's going to be a, a definite step up. I think a lot of people are just you know putting them in last, and and maybe that's the case. But I it, every what I've learned is that conventional wisdom never really ends up working out. Um, you know, and it's it's definitely going to be a lot of fun. I, I think that you know, Montreal's in the position to kind of just sit back and enjoy it because there's not really much pressure on them um, as there is Detroit. I think, you know, the other teams are going to be, you know, six teams or seven teams of the division are going to be, are, are expecting to make the playoffs this year. Uh, and I think that there's obviously going to be some disappointed ones because they can't all make it. And it's going to be, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be definitely a, a season to watch. Um, thank you so much and, and uh, uh, enjoy it. Absolutely. You guys as well. 